0: I have a little book at home. It's, um, by a chap, and I'm getting, I'm not, he's French, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce his name correctly here, so if anybody knows better, correct me afterwards. Guy Appere, I'm going with. And the book is called Dialogue with God. And as I was reading through Habakkuk the other, um, a, a while back there, just getting ready to start into this series, this is what we have in Habakkuk. It is a dialogue with God. Habakkuk starts with his cry. How long will you not hear? Then the Lord answers him. Then Habakkuk responds to the Lord's uh, reply to him. And then the Lord responds again. And that takes us through chapters one and two. And then chapter three is if you open read the first words of chapter 3, you have this, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. So, what we have, and if you read it there, it is effectively a praise unto God. We have Habakkuk, the Lord responds, Habakkuk, the Lord responds, and Habakkuk praises. That is the pattern through the book there for these three chapters. So, before we go into the detail of each of these chapters and the verses... Therein, I just felt it was appropriate to take a look at the the topic of prayer because it is so prevalent throughout. This is what we have here. There are different types of prayer in the Bible, aren't there? There's a whole host of them and um, there is a lot to be learned and taken from each one. I'm just going to sort of mention a few, just as I thought of them um, for myself the other day. Just very quickly, these ones came to my mind. You will find others yourself, and you will very quickly realise that this is not going to be an in-depth analysis of prayer. This is going to be a touch point into prayer from Habakkuk. We read, didn't we, earlier on, two, two short extracts from um, Luke's gospel with the Lord himself uh, involved. He was praying when his disciple, one of his disciples came to him, so that he's setting an example firstly. And his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. So they understood the importance of prayer and they understood the need to pray correctly So they went to their respective masters and said, teach us how to pray. A helpful example for us to follow. And then the Lord gave his example, when you pray, say. And then we have the Lord's Prayer and the pattern that that is. And the pattern that we should follow there is to start by praising God first for who he is and then appreciate what he has done for us in that context. And then in the second portion that we looked at there, Jesus was praying, and then he called his 12 disciples. So he was preparing before he called them to their work. He was praying before that event, and that reminds us again the importance of committing spiritual matters to God. And then he went and did some healing ministry, which then was preceded by this same time of prayer. So before he went into his ministry, he prayed, before we go into any form of um, spiritual activity, we should pray. One of my favorite portions in the New Testament, Mary's prayer of praise. And I can't imagine that just being spoken. I can imagine it just being an, an outpouring, whether it was audible or not, but it would be an outpouring, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Then we have Hannah in the Old Testament in her petition. And then perhaps the most powerful word for word prayer in in all of the scriptures, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Five words, so much achieved through that. And then Stephen's prayer at his death, lay not this sin to their charge. Before we partake of any food, before we eat, we should give thanks. Very simple. And we have that Jesus giving thanks before the breaking of the bread. Moses prayed um, repeatedly in the Old Testament. Elijah prayed that there wouldn't be any rain. And then, in due time, he prayed that the rains would come. We effectively have 150 prayers, don't we, in the the Psalms. Um, Each one of those Psalms is a petition and a prayer. And Jesus, perhaps also, most famously, the high priestly prayer. And they are so different in their um, form and in their um, meanings and what they are requesting. But the same things are true of them all. They are petitioning the Heavenly Father. And hopefully through this today, it will give us some thoughts on prayer. But go away with this thought in your hearts and in your minds. Lord teach us how to pray. It's more than the words, isn't it? It's the attitude of our hearts and the preparation of our hearts and the the, the seeking, the desiring after God. So today we'll have some thoughts, some thoughts on prayer from from Habakkuk. And again, as I said, this will only be an introduction both to Habakkuk and into uh, the, the, the wider topic of prayer itself. The first point is going to be God answers prayer. Secondly, God's nature is revealed in prayer. And then thirdly, God is to be praised through prayer. So God answers prayer is our first point. Verse two, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? Verse five, the Lord speaks, behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. We don't know Habakkuk's situation. We don't know what was going on in the wider context other than what he tells us in verses uh, uh, three and four there and two violence and thou wilt not save why dost thou not show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance or why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me and there are that raise up strife and contention therefore the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth for the wicked doth compass about the righteous therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. the nation's in a bad way we can see that Um, We don't know of anything specific causing that, but we know that he's grieved and troubled by the lack of justice and the injustice and the iniquity that's going on. How long, Lord, will I cry and you won't hear? How long will you not hear my prayer? We're all familiar, aren't we, with the, 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 the compound name of Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. We read that in Genesis, um, and we even there's a hymn in there that we sing, the, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Literal meaning of Jehovah Jireh is the Lord sees. But the, the meaning behind that is that if he sees there is a need, he will provide. So the seeing comes first and the provision follows, all in one thing. So Jehovah Jireh, the Lord sees and the Lord will provide. With prayer, it's the same thing. The Lord hears and the Lord answers. It's, it's two parts to the same thing. How long will you, how shall I cry and you won't hear? No, I'm hearing and I am answering is, is effectively what we have in response to that. In James's epistle, we read, don't we, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man Availeth much. So who has their prayer avail much? The righteous man. Who is the righteous man? It's those who are right with God. How do we become right with God? By confessing our sin. As the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And trusting that Jesus Christ alone can take away my sins. So then we know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. So if our prayers are effectual and fervent, they will avail much because the Lord will hear. He won't hear unless we are righteous in his eyes. We are not praying to God if we are not believing in God, if we do not trust in Jesus Christ as our saviour. But if we do our prayers will if our prayers then are effectual as in are they scriptural are we being led by the spirit are we praying according to the scriptures he will hear and he will answer how long o lord shall i cry and thou wilt not hear i will hear and i will answer and the answer to our prayers will take a few different forms the answer to our prayers might be yes I will grant that to you. We might pray for something. We might pray for uh, a a safe passage as we go on a journey. We might pray for uh, health tomorrow, for whatever we need to do tomorrow. We might pray for uh, peace in ourselves so that we can rest, be ready for something. And the Lord might say, yes, I will grant that. Sometimes the answer might be, no. Lord I pray that you will heal me from this sickness. What did Paul say to uh, what did the Lord say to Paul when he asked about the thorn in his flesh? My grace is sufficient for you. Did Paul get his prayer answered? Yes. But was the answer what he wanted? The answer was no. You will not be healed. My grace is sufficient for you. He sought the Lord 3 times. Then he heard this response, my grace is sufficient for you. We might also get an answer to our prayers that we were not necessarily expecting. Good, bad, or or, or, or indifferent in many ways. Sometimes we can pray for something and we get an answer to it. Well, that wasn't what I was asking for initially. It wasn't what was in my mind, but that is truly an answer to prayer. Do you think Habakkuk, when he was lamenting the state of the nation expected that an, another nation would rise up, a bitter and nasty nation, and sweep through the land. Do you think that was in his mind? Do you think that was in his heart? Very much doubted. May have been if he, if he had seen the example from uh, the, the, the time of the judges. But the Lord had an answer. I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. That's how extraordinary the sweeping through of the Chaldeans, the Babylonian Empire, was going to be. He was not necessarily expecting that. The answer sometimes is also, wait, not now. You might want something. We might pray for something. And the Lord might say, not now. Wait, and then that waiting might drive us further on in our prayers. It might drive us closer to the Lord. It might drive us to seek with more fervency, and then the Lord may answer and and grant the prayer request. But the thing to to follow up with that is, God answers prayers. But are we waiting for those answers? Are we waiting and are we looking for the Lord to bless us and to answer our prayers? What did the Lord say to Elijah? Didn't come in the storms. I didn't come in the tumult. It was the still, small voice. Are we waiting for the still, small voice? Are we listening for it? I, I I found something very helpful from uh, Ian Paisley saying one time, in his personal devotions, his time uh, you know on his desk when he has his personal time of devotions, he has four books. He has his Bible, which he reads um, firstly. Then he has a hymn book because a good hymn uh, he finds helped him with that. Then he has a prayer book, and he lists all his items that he is praying for to remind him what he has on his. Items that he is going to commit before the Lord, specifically in prayer. And he has a separate book, which he called his praise book. And these are the items that he's crossed off his prayer book because they have been answered and they have been moved onto the praise book. And he will put them in there and give thanks for the Lord. So that's a very practical way of saying, these are the items I'm praying for. Lord, keep me on the track with these and keep me focused on praying for these. And then keep me looking out for your answer to these prayers and then, Lord, you've answered my prayer. Praise God for your greatness towards me. Do we look out for answered prayer? Are we attentive to God answering us? Sometimes these things come in unexpected ways, don't they? And As I said, the Chaldeans were not necessarily expected. The tasks that come before us to do instead of answering the prayer, and the answer might come through a different route. There's so much to to consider, be still, and know that I am God. Be ready. Be ready to listen for the Lord. Be ready to feel his answer to your prayers. I like, and that's why I carried on reading um, into verse uh, one of chapter two. Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Interestingly, he's expecting to be reproved there as well. But can you picture what he's saying here? The symbolism here I will stand upon my watch. I'm going to be on duty. I'm going to be watching for the Lord. But not only that, I'll be upon the tower. I'll go up to the high point. I will get the best view I can. I will be scouring the landscape, waiting for the Lord to answer my prayer. And I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And then what I shall answer. So he's already expecting the response and he's already getting ready to answer again. God answers prayer. Are we watching and waiting and listening? Are we ready to respond to how the Lord answers prayer? The second thing that we see in... in um, This portion is that God's nature is revealed through prayer. And again, as I've said, this is not going to be an exhaustive list and this is not an exhaustive point. It's just a few examples that have come from um, these chapters. So we always must accept that God is beyond our understanding. Can we fully understand God? No, we can't. Can we understand him a lot better than we already do? Yes, we definitely can. Should we search and seek after God to find out more about him? Yes, we definitely should. Will we be blessed as a result of doing this? Yes, we will. And to that we say, Amen. Because even in the searching, there is blessing. The the the, uh, the bride in the Song of Solomon, when she sought her beloved, the blessing then came as he revealed himself to her. How long, O Lord, shall I cry and you will not hear? Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvellously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe though it be told you, I will raise up the Chaldeans. God is sovereign. That is the first thing we see here. God is in control. He is in control of nations. I will raise up the Chaldeans. They will become the powerful empire in the world, the most powerful empire in the world. They will overthrow the nation of Israel. So there's two nations that we've seen already in his hand. The Chaldeans will rise and and Israel will be taken. God controls events. He controls that it will happen. He controls how it will happen, they will be swift and they will be terrible, and their judgment and dignity shall proceed of themselves. He controls the times. I will work a work in your days. It will come to pass, it will happen. It will happen when I say so. God is in control. Nations cannot stand against him. Time does not go against him. Events do not work against him. All of these things are in his control and in his hands. Chapter three in the in the prayer that Habakkuk um, prays. It's it's a very interesting prayer to read. How we the elements of creation, the mountains, the sun, the moon, they are all subject to God's control. The sun and the moon shall. Stood still in their habitation, the light of thine arrows, uh, at the light of thine arrows they went, at the shining of the glittering spear. We read of the mountains, they saw thee and they trembled. The overflowing water passed by and the deep watered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. So it's just again very symbolic passage there, but a reminder, all, nat- all, all nature, all creation is in his control. events and weather are are sort of um, more becoming more and more freakish aren't they in, in our understanding of these things, there's more and more hurricanes they seem to be getting stronger and stronger there seems to be more and more flooding and then at the same time there's famine and drought these things are all in God's hands all in God's control very quickly sweeping through verse 12 art thou not from everlasting Habakkuk is acknowledging that God is eternal he is from everlasting to everlasting. No beginning and no end. God is in control of events. God is in control of the world. God is in control of time. He is before time. He is after time. He is eternal from no beginning and no end. Helps us to understand a bit more of God, doesn't it? We're building up a picture. Mine, holy, one. This is one of the the points we labour in Sunday school, isn't it? That what is holy? It's to be separate from sin in its simplest form. And this is our God. He is separate from sin. O Lord... Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. So we're reminded here that God is a judge and he will judge the earth. It's interesting that Habakkuk has picked that characteristic because he understands that the current time, that judgment and justice are not being achieved. The law is slacked. Judgment doth never go forth. The wicked do compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Wrong judgments. Incorrect decisions. Iniquity and. Unfair treatment. Were commonplace. God is a righteous judge. He will judge the earth. One of the very familiar portions of scripture. Verse 13, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. God is pure. There is nothing in him that is sinful. Taking us into, again, a similarity with holy. And there are more. And even if we just take to chapter 2, verse 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The Lord is glorious and the whole earth shall be filled with that knowledge. The whole earth is filled with that knowledge, it just tries to suppress it, doesn't it? The whole glory of the Lord is prevalent throughout all creation, even in that, there is no doubt. The Lord is glorious, he is full of glory. And even those just taking those few examples from Habakkuk here. God is sovereign. God is eternal. God is holy. God is a judge, a righteous and just judge. God is pure. God is glorious. And even by implication, we can see that God is gracious because he hears and he answers the prayers of sinful creatures such as us. Two of the hymns we've had already this evening referenced us being as dust before him. And he hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. What a gracious God we have who hears and answers our prayers. And again, as I said, this is not an exhaustive list. You can find your own examples of the very nature of God and build those characteristics up and have them maybe perhaps in either a written list or a mental list. So before we pray before the Lord, We recognise who he is. He is a sovereign Lord over all. He is eternal. No beginning and no end. He is holy. He is a righteous judge. He is of purer eyes than to behold evil. He is glorious and he is very gracious. In condescending to hear and to answer our prayers. So God answers prayer. God's nature is revealed through prayer. And God is therefore to be praised. And really, based on what we've already thought about, that God answers prayer, and that God's nature is revealed through prayer, this should be the natural outworking. If you come into the presence of a sovereign, holy, eternal, gracious God, you cannot but praise him. As I said earlier on, chapter three is a, is a prayer um, that, that Habakkuk offered in response to his dialogue with, with God over the first two chapters here, and the imagery of it is um, from nature praising God, and we, we looked at a few examples of the mountains, the, the, the deeps the waters of the deep, the sun and excuse me, and the moon. These things, just proclaiming the glory of the Lord. Proclaiming the glory of the Lord in his judgment. Not popular these days, is it? To to glorify and praise God because he is a just and righteous judge and will judge the earth. Verses 17, 18 and 19 are a personal response of praise. So if we read those verses here in chapter three, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labour of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy In the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. So even in this time of judgment, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Here is a very personal response of praise. I will rejoice because I have been saved. God has saved me, and I will praise Him and glorify His name. Verse nineteen. It reminds us at the end to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. Verse one: a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigayonoth, and accord, that's, that, that is or according to variable songs or tuned tunes. So. The point being that this was to be sung, and it's a reminder that our praises and our prayers should flow into song on occasion, and it's a reminder then that we should be singing prayerfully to God. It is to God that we are praising. To God, praising God, so we are to sing prayerfully and on occasions we are to, to pray through song so the two again bringing together God is to be praised and again, again just as, an, as, a, as a, an extra reminder that praise is, is more than singing praise is, is every element that we give to the Lord through singing, through reading, through prayer, through fellowshipping together, all of these things are praising to God. So don't limit praise to just singing. Praise is all of these things. I just a reminder, as we sort of summarise that point there. There are two elements there. Firstly, God is to be praised for who he is. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah. He is the self-existent one. And he has saved Habakkuk, and he has saved me, and he has saved many of you. And he is to be praised for what he has for what he has done, and for who he is. And then also, he should be praised for answering prayer. Every time the Lord answers our prayer, we should give him the praise that is his due, even if that answer is not what we were hoping for, even if that answer is no. My Grace is sufficient for you. That is cause for praise, as God is judging the nations, that is cause for praise. Praise God because He is in control. His ways are beyond our understanding and our finding out. So as I said at the start there, this is only a sample, but it is designed to help us firstly to understand the rest of Habakkuk to put it into its context, but also to just to give us an entry as a thought process into prayer, which I'm sure we've all got these thoughts in our hearts and minds anyway. But again, it's good to be reminded of the importance of prayer and different methods and practices of prayer. And a reminder that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Are you righteous before the Lord today? Do you stand in the Lord's strength alone alone? Do you trust in God alone for your salvation? And then you can pray and the Lord will hear and the Lord will answer and then the Lord will be praised. Amen.